I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. Thank you for tuning in this week. As usual, I would love if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your pods. And if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, I would really love a five-star rating and a written review. I sunk to some new depths last week. I left a review on The Cut's actual podcast because FYI, The Cut used to have a podcast of their own called The Cut on Tuesdays, but they stopped production on it. So I went in and I was like, hey, are you looking to fill the void left from this podcast going off air? Check out Kinda Cute. And if you search The Cut's podcast as of last time I checked, my review is on the front page. So I don't know if I've got any listeners from that, but if so, welcome. I hope you enjoy your time here. My dad called me yesterday and he seemed very concerned. He was like, you know, we were listening to your podcast and I have to say it's it's pretty entertaining. He was begrudging saying that. But, you know, I'm really worried about some of the things you say. For example, you called Prince Andrew a pedophile and I'm pretty sure that, you know, you shouldn't do that because you could have the wrong people coming after you. So to make my dad sleep easier at night, I would like to formally redact calling Prince Andrew a pedophile since he has not been convicted as one yet. He just liked to hang out with known pedophiles. Um, so I would like to replace that and say, maybe if you're not a scuzzy, disgusting old man who hangs out with pedophiles, then maybe people will go to your birthday party. So I hope my dad feels better about that. He also took issue with the fact that I said, speaking of pedophiles, and then segued to Harvey Weinstein. And as he clarified for me, Harvey has also not been convicted of being a pedophile. And that really wasn't his thing. He just liked to rape girls and use his power to advance over women. So... Again, just wanted, just wanted to clear that all up. I, I don't think the Crown's going to come um, a defamation claim against me and my 50 listeners, but just in case, I, I hope they know this apology is out there. If you haven't heard, Katy Perry announced her pregnancy and upcoming album via a music video, so check that out. It's kind of fun. And I'm going to need you guys to do something. Please Google right now. Florence Pugh's father. His name is Clinton Pugh. And you tell me that he does not look like Zach Braff. I am spooked because Florence Pugh is dating Zach Braff. And based on Zach's age, he literally could physically be her dad. Well, not physically because she wouldn't be more, but you know what I mean. He's definitely old enough. And to make this even easier for you, if you're having trouble finding a good image, if you go to at Kate Raft on Twitter, C-A-I-T-R-A-F-T, she has a picture of Zach Braff with Florence Pugh's dad, and I'm telling you, it is spooky. She was like, I took some edibles, and I can't stop thinking about this photo, and I have not taken edibles, and I cannot stop thinking about that photo. All right, on to our articles for this week. DJ Polly D goes through a tube of hair gel a month by Kathleen Hu. I was a huge fan of seasons one and two of Jersey Shore, and I kind of trickled off after that. 
if I'm being honest with you. But damn, that episode, or I'm sorry, that season, the beginning seasons, those hit hard. There were so many iconic moments in those early Jersey Shore episodes. And Vinny and Polly D were my favorite guys. They just seemed the least problematic. Vinny actually seemed very intelligent. I think he went to law school. Um, Obviously, Snooki was by far the best TV, but I really worried about her sometimes, even though I was definitely watching this show in college in my bed with my laptop on my stomach, and I was 100% also a sloppy bitch and would have killed for two Coronas and a giant margarita glass, and honestly, I would still kill for that, so no judgment towards Snooki, and now she's, you know, a mom, living the mom life. Good on her. Great TV. I'm just saying, I think Polly and Vinny D were... Vinny D. (laughs) Polly D and Vinny were just a little bit more down to earth. So back to Polly, he did a phone interview with the cut about his hair because he is the new face of got to be hair products. I'm sure you guys know got to be like, even if you can't get an image of it in your mind, it's those ones that are kind of bright colors and they have the weird shaped caps and it's in black writing. It looks kind of splattered. And I feel like it was really all the rage when we were in high school and of the age of Jersey Shore and its beginning days. So yeah, Polly D is the new face of that. And I love that they included in this interview that he called in from his mom's house. He's such a mama's boy. All the boys in that house, that's like one of their personality traits. It's like gym, tan, laundry, mama's boy. Um, but love that. And let's take a moment to appreciate Polly's poetic thoughts on beauty. So the cut asks, how do you think about beauty? And he says, it's a part of natural hygiene. I like to stay clean and look clean cut. It's just part of looking nice. When you look nice, you feel nice. Beauty is also an expression. Like I express myself through my music. Everyone is beautiful in their own way. And how they own it is beautiful to me. I just love how all over the place this answer is. He swings from beauty is natural hygiene. And then he says beauty is expression and that his version of beauty is music and then everyone is beautiful though you know it's a very inclusive answer props on that then the cut asks how often do you get your hair cut and he says every few days I do a lineup and a fade I don't know what that is I know what a fade is but I have no idea what a lineup is I'm in a different state almost every week and I have a barber in almost every state anyone can do the sides even if you mess it up you can't really tell Now, y'all, I bitch all the time about the upkeep us girls have to put up with. It's nails, it's hair, it's tan, it's makeup, it's blow dries. Like, it is so much, but I cannot imagine having to get my hair cut every week. I don't know why. Like, getting my nails done seems like such a chore, but getting my hair done seems one million times worse. It's part of the reason I have long hair, just because... I don't cut it. I cut it like once a year and sometimes I just do it myself. And it was getting to the point it was a little sloppy and I needed to stop doing that. But that's how much I hate getting my hair cut. So this is my worst nightmare. I'd bow down to him for this. I would go insane. The cut then asks, how do you feel about aging? And he says, hmm, I don't know. Guys nowadays are embracing it. If you have gray hair, just go with it. I don't have that yet. But if I did, I would rock it. I'm not scared of getting older. Again, kind of poetic. Thank you for this, Polly. So deep. And damn, does he really not have any grays? Why are my grays so popping? Is there some homeopathic voodoo that I can do to make myself have stop having gray hairs? I think it's interesting in this time of wellness and homeopathy and oh just a little bit of turmeric and your life will be solved no one has told me how I can reduce my grays or get a streak like Claire Saffitz like I've said many times in the past I would like 
I just have clutter bitch grays all over my hair. Clutter bitch is a term I got from Caroline Calloway, which really just means like clutter in your apartment. But I think it can also apply to grays if you ask me. But I also think Polly D is older than me. So that also just annoys me. And as a little aside, honestly, I kind of talked about this article because I wanted to tell this story, but my friend was wilding out in Miami the other weekend. I mean, she wasn't really wilding out. She was keeping it pretty responsible, but she was with some thotties. And did I, now that I'm saying this, I'm like, did I already tell this story? But I think in actuality, I just told everyone in my life because I was so delighted by it, but not you guys. So like I said, she's wilding out in Miami, you know, the typical like your day drink, you're out of the pool, you're at, you you then take a nap, you have some dinner, you transition, you go out, you hit the club at 3 a.m. I've never been to Vegas and I never do Miami like that, but I imagine it would be a similar kind of vibe. So they all get ready to go out at like 2 a.m. because none other than Ronnie himself from the Jersey Shore had called out one of the thotties she was with to come meet him at the club, 11 to be exact, which is owned by Drake, fun fact. Or he's an investor in it at least. Uh, So they get all dolled up. They get to the club. They see that Ronnie is with his other side girl. Now, I try to stay out of this drama. It's even a little lowbrow for me because Ronnie and his baby mama are slob kebab status because they do things that are actually dangerous, like fight with each other. I think at one point she like dragged him behind a car. I don't condone that behavior. So I kind of stay away from that news a little bit. But one second, let, let me get the gurgi. Okay, he's on my lap, so hopefully all is well now. I just really didn't want this part of the story to get interrupted because it's important. So apparently, and I should have done more research before I started just spewing this all off because apparently this is covered by like the Shade Room, TMZ, stuff like that, and it's on the internet. But he has another side piece that's not his baby mama that I guess he's public with. But then this girl that my friend was with is another one of his side pieces, and I think she's also been posted about in TMZ. So I don't know if they're in an open relationship or they just really thrive off the drama. But bottom line, my friend was going to go be at a table with Ronnie from Jersey Shore. But when they got there and they saw the side piece, the other side piece was already there. They were like, oop, we out. So again, I told you I'm so fascinated with the thoughty lifestyle. I think I would love to write my first novel on the life of an Instagram thought and just that hooker light lifestyle that is so intriguing to me is any would anyone read that because I think I could do a good job like but I think I'd have to blend in and I don't know if I'd be convincing undercover like like little booty shorts do not flatter my thighs so if anyone has any tips let me know because I really think this could be a great first book for me I could go about it from my anthropological background anyways I'm getting sidetracked we can go on to the next article I just had to share that with y'all that how sloppy Ronnie is and that my friend was like almost at his table but alas because what happened was two of the girls actually did go back and hang out with him at like 5 a.m but my friend at that point was like nah dog we out so maybe next time and then she can give us the scoop on how awful Ronnie is in real life Next up, we have What is an E-Girl by Sarah Spellings. Now, this kind of article must be Sarah's forte because she also explained what a visco girl is a few months back. And we didn't discuss that here on Kinda Cute because although I am probably more of a visco girl, I've been using the visco app for 
eight years probably I'm all about saving the turtles and tie-dye and I have two hydro flasks and I have more scrunchies than I can count I think in my soul I really want to be an e-girl and we talked briefly about e-girls a few episodes ago when I was talking about how FKA Twigs dates e-boys like Maddie Healy and Shia LaBeouf So I feel like it's only right for us to do a full-on deep dive of e-girls. And one more thing before we get into Sarah's article. I did a makeover on my sister Kenzie on my YouTube channel, which you can find at Bailey Evan, B-A-I-L-E-Y-E-V-I-N. Just search for it on YouTube. And we tried to follow Doja Cat's Vogue e-girl tutorial. And Kenzie looked so bomb at the end. I mean, low-key, I was so, no, high-key, I was so proud of myself. So again, if you want to find that, just search it on YouTube and watch the original one too, because actually it's way better than my video. But, you know, if you want to see just a regular girl trying to duplicate Queen Doja Cat's look, it's out there for you. So Sarah writes that since the mid 20th century, each generation has had their own version of what is now known as an e-girl. Think back to the British punks and tartan and t-shirts destroyed by safety pins. In the 80s, they were called goths, loved the cure, and dressed in all black with black hair and intentionally pale skin. In the 2000s, it was the angsty pop punk emo girls who listened to My Chemical Romance and took Facebook photos like this. And sorry, I don't have the actual photo of it, but I'm guessing it's probably, you know, the really down angle with the swipey bangs and really dark, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And now it's the age of the e-girl who stamps black hearts on her cheekbones, listens to K-pop and dresses like she's auditioning for a reboot of The Craft. Now, I think my desire to be this stems back to high school where I dabbled in being what I like to call a scene kid. I went to underground quote-unquote ska shows. I wore etnies. But it was very much so a case of confused identity because you already know I had my little Louis Vuitton wallet. This bitch wanted that white bag that Jessica Simpson had. I tried to dress like Lauren Conrad. I even had that one bag that she always wore that had the big ring and it was nude. I stalked the internet to find that bag and I was so proud when I got my hands on it. I want to say the maker is called like Melly Bianco or something like that. Please look up a picture of it. The ring bag that Elsie used to carry on Laguna Beach. Anyways, back to Sarah's description. I think this is very accurate. She writes, how can you spot an e-girl? The prototypical e-girl is really more of an idea, an aesthetic rather than a person. As the antecedent E would apply, the e-girl is also very online. Maybe she's a gamer, a cosplayer, or spends a lot of time on TikTok, Tumblr, the dinosaur medium used by emo girls of yours, 2010, also makes a big part of the e-girl online diet. I have to say, Kenzie's preferred social media to this day is still Tumblr, so maybe Kenzie really is an e-girl. The style is heavily influenced by Asian culture, specifically anime and K-pop. YouTuber Jenna Marbles called it a mix between Harajuku, Emo, and Agari makeup, the hangover makeup in Japan. Think Carly Quinn with rudimentary film editing skills. And actually, Jenna Marbles' video is what inspired me to follow the Doja Cat tutorial, so it all comes back to Jenna, I guess. Like the Visco Girl, 2020's answers to the basic bitch, there's a whole genre of transformation videos where people become e-girls. They aren't really making fun of them, rather taking the aesthetic to its highest level. And it's so unlikely, guys, but what if Sarah saw my e-girl makeover? Oh, I'd die. She'd probably be like, never listen to that whack-ass podcast. So e-boys have pretty much the same aesthetic, except they often part their hair like a 90s heartthrob, Sarah writes. So this is Bailey speaking now, and... I think the best example of this is 
Lil Huddy, L-I-L-H-U-D-D-Y on Instagram. He is a TikTok star and boyfriend of Charlie D'Amelio, who is literally the number one TikTok star. So I'm throwing these names out at you. And now when you talk to your 15-year-old cousin, like you're going to seem cool because if you throw out Charlie D'Amelio and Lil Huddy, aka Chase Hudson, they're going to be like, oh, okay, you know what's up. Even though at that point, they've probably moved on to like the next newest one. But those two are very popular. They're part of Hype House. That's another keyword. It's all these young TikTokers who live in a house and I'm not going to try to get too sidetracked here but I think it's so bizarre that Charlie is 15 years old and I feel like she's being sexualized online and I feel like so many young TikTokers are and it makes me very 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 uncomfortable and Charlie uh Lil Huddy is I'm sorry Chase not Charlie Chase Hudson is definitely 19 I think so it's all just a little mm -mm. But he does fully embody this aesthetic more so than probably anyone I've ever seen online. And (laughs) speaking of TikTok, guys, I am in that shit deep. I can't stop watching them. They're not even really that good. But once I can't like start scrolling, I can't stop. It's like Pringles. I, I popped and I can't stop and I have to keep going. And then the humor of it starts getting in your head and you start thinking about things in TikTok and... I'm concerned for myself. I might have to delete the app. I tried making TikToks and literally no one viewed them. I did two and they were just really dumb. One was of Gurgi, one was of like a Starbucks recipe, but maybe I'll just keep trying it because I think they're kind of fun, but I just, I don't know if I want to fall deeper into the hole, you know? Back to Sarah. She writes that the first definition of this was from 2009 Urban Dictionary entry that wrote, any girl is someone who's always after the D. But Sarah says, these days it's just used to describe the aesthetic, and I totally agree with her. I don't think it has anything to do with getting the D. And she writes that in a video for Vogue, Doja Cat, a rapper who has been described as the TikTok diva of your dreams, described her e-girl look as looking like you. she just got pneumonia. And turns out it takes a lot of work to look that sick. And Doja, and I talk about this in my video too. She says, I remember being on Pinterest and I didn't know what an e-girl was. I just saw these emo girls, like Tumblr girls, and I saw them looking like they were sick, but it looked intentional, like they were wearing a lot of makeup. So now I do that. The e-girls try to portray that they're in need of protection, innocent, or helpless. And I agree with that too. I think it's just really supposed to put off that vibe like, oh, help me. I'm so innocent. I'm so cute and sick. All right, so I hope that was like a good little tutorial on what an e-girl is because if you haven't heard the term yet I'm sure you're going to and now you can impress all of your young friends our last article of today the spiciest moments from the love is blind reunion by Sanjita Singh Kurtz y'all full disclosure I started watching love is blind when the very first set of episodes got released because they were released in three parts to kind of keep the anticipation up. And they would release, I think, six at a time or four at a time. And to give a general premise, they have all of these people. They live in a house together. They're separated by boys and girls. And they meet on blind dates inside these pods where they can't see each other. And they talk basically through a wall. Uh, it's kind of reminded me of dating in the dark, which I actually think I've talked about on here before, because I think I was comparing the circle to it because in dating in the dark, you couldn't see the person you were talking to. And then they would reveal them with like a spotlight on them. And then if you didn't like how they would look, you could just piece out. Like it was so brutal. It was way more brutal than love is blind. If you ask me, but 
the way the process worked, I read some articles on like the behind the scenes because they don't really explain it in the show. But basically, it was almost like a sorority recruitment process where you would rank people on your order of liking them. They would rank you. And then if there was a mutual selection, you would narrow it down and you would go on dates with them. So, you know, the first time you go on 15 dates and then it would be cut down to six and then cut down to four to two, whatever. So as you got farther in it, you were spending way longer. Once you were down to two dates, like two people you were dating, you would be spending way more hours with them. So the producers of the show were not expecting as many couples to get engaged as ended up getting engaged. And I'm sorry, I'm trying not to spoil this for you guys, but I feel like it's been all over the internet. You're probably like, yeah, you don't need to describe this. Obviously, I binge watched it all. But just in case there's someone out there who hasn't seen it, that's the general premise. So I actually stopped watching when they got to Mexico because I think I can handle cringe. But y'all, I could not handle the cringe that was going down when Giannina was like trying to get Damien to sleep with her and then when Carlton and Diamond that whole situation which I'm going to talk about in a little bit my cringe factor I was hiding beneath my blanket Kenzie was like you have to turn this off so I I didn't make it to the end like I've just been reading like reviews about what happened and I felt like at least at that point I had watched enough of it I knew the players I knew the characters I knew their vibe so I just wanted to talk a little bit about the reunion because I thought this article was fun. And one of the people who was kind of viewed as the villain of the show because she was really wishy-washy. She was 34 years old. Her name was Jessica. She ends up matching with a guy who's 24. And I feel like she really couldn't get over the age factor. And then I felt like she just didn't think he was attractive enough when she got to see him because he was kind of on the shorter side. And... She wanted this guy, Jessica originally wanted this guy named Barrett who ended up with a girl named Amber. So Jessica, I'm sorry, Amber, after watching the whole show, confronts Jessica in front of the group and says she's a disingenuine person and fake. But this is the best part. She says, bitch, you're shysty. You're so fake. Coming to my face like we were cool. I hope seeing this you grow from it because that is not what the world needs. Women who go behind people's backs like that. And it says, Jessica bears the rant with a look of grim resolution as the rest of the cast looks on in discomfort. Jessica then apologizes to Amber, explaining that in the context of a 30-day marriage experiment, she'd wanted to vet all of her options as thoroughly as possible. So I just earlier mentioned Diamond and Carlton. And basically what happened with Diamond and Carlton is when they get to Mexico, Carlton tells Diamond for the first time that he is actually bisexual, that he's been with men in the past. And while she's just taking a moment to process this, I really didn't think she was being mean at all about it. She was just processing it, saying she needed a little bit of time because to me it was kind of like, well, why wasn't he just honest about that from the get-go? It seemed like he was trying to hide it or maybe make good TV because he was also uh, used to be on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So I'm kind of like, "Mm, honey, are you trying to get that spotlight a little bit? And Diamond, it's really interesting because she was a former NBA dancer, but now she's working on her PhD. So you go, girl, get that degree. But anyways, as they're talking, it goes into a blow up and Diamond removes her ring. Carlton throws it in the pool and then Diamond leaves with the most iconic exit saying, watch my ass move to the next dick boy. You ain't married to no average bitch boy, which is quoting Beyonce, but like still amazing. And then 
The update on Giannina and Damien is that they are dating, but they're living separately and getting to know each other like normal people. So props to them. I think it's actually good that they cast all the people on the show uh, from the Atlanta area. So it gave them a chance for it to actually work out in real life because that always doesn't make sense to me in The Bachelor and all these other shows. It's like, are you really going to move to, I don't know, across the country like what if the, when the guy doesn't like remember when that farmer guy that he was like the worst bachelor ever chris souls he was a farmer in like middle of bumfuck nowhere no one wanted to move out there with him so i just think it's better to have people from a city give them a little bit of a boost from the get-go so anyways vanessa lachey congratulates them for proving that love is blind and sanjita writes she's not sure that it is but it was a sweet moment from a couple that has offered until this point mayhem because they were kind of sloppy. Anyways, I just thought the show was kind of fun. I felt left out not talking about it, but I still think the circle's better. Go watch the circle. Like it's just a better show. I think it's just as corny and it's like not quite as big of a train wreck, but it's better. Our legit shit for this week. First up, I want to talk about a podcast because I don't think I've covered a podcast on here before. And although I would love it if you just spent all of your time binging kind of cute, I realize our episodes are pretty short and you probably have more time on your hands. So I want to talk about one called Verified because I think what they're doing with it is really cool and unique. And just to give a general idea of what it's about, because this may not be up your alley at all, is it is about young girls who were traveling in a town outside of Venice, Italy. And since they were usually on a budget because they were in college, they would use the couch surfing, surfing website, which is where you stay on someone's couch basically for free. And it's kind of like getting to live like a local and you get that experience and make friends and whatever. But the twist is they all stayed with this guy who basically sexually assaults them and drugs them. And they all kind of band together. And I'm only on episode three right now because it's, you know, serialized. It comes out each week. And the cool part of it, though, is that there's a number you can text each episode and they text you pictures and stories that go along with the episode. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like if this podcast ever really takes off, I would love to have something like that, like little like companion things. Like when I'm talking about Zach Praff and his dad, if you're on my little text list, you can just text a keyword and you'll get that photo sent to you. Like I would love to do something like that. So if you're looking for something like totally on the other end of the spectrum, check out Verified. And I wanted to wreck to you guys uh, Aesop's hand sanitizer, which is called Resurrection Rinse-Free Hand Wash. I've talked about how much I love their soap before, even though it's so overpriced. But I have a little thing of their hand sanitizer on my desk, and it just really brightens me up every time I use it. And since everyone's freaking out about coronavirus and, you know, I was like, oh, that's fitting for this week, a little hand sanitizer, even though really you should wash your hands to the sound of happy birthday. That's the best way to fight off sickness from happening okay I'm not gonna lecture I'm just saying but turns out uh, everyone else had the same idea and the resurrection rinse-free hand wash is literally sold out everywhere I could not even find a site to link you guys to but if you happen to stumble across it when you're out check it out so instead of that I'm gonna give a eyeshadow I really like and it is the ColourPop Super Shock Shadow. They're little singles. They're only $6. You can get them at Ulta. I love the consistency of them. I have the color Ripple. It's so fun. I just love how it feels. I love how it goes on. I think it's a good price. Check out ColourPop Cosmetics if you haven't yet and I will see you next week. Bye!